Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back into the Horseshoe, ladies and gentlemen, for the Monday after Ohio State 38, Michigan State 3, the 40th event in May. He was here on Saturday night to watch that all unfold, as was Andy Backstrom and me, Spencer Holbrook. Fellas, I'm not going to lie to you. The second half was an absolute yawner. I mean... You want to talk about a boring half of football. That's what you want. Though. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. catches a long pass, 57 yards, to uh, start the second half. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State kicks a field goal. Mm. And from there, they let off the gas, let off the gas. And Ryan Day didn't seem to mind that, which I think is on purpose, because he was talking about not letting off the gas at times early in the year. But now that you're getting closer to the Michigan game, I don't think you can have that same mindset. So... All in all, I thought it was a great performance from the Buckeyes. Tim, you just rewatched the game. What say you? Uh, the first act of that play was a two-act play. The first act of the play was dynamic, uh, was robust, uh, at times breathtaking. The second act, like you said, was a yawner. You know, a lot of people lined up and left the stadium uh, in the second half because it was cold. Yep. Kind of like it is right now. I feel like I'm sitting in the produce uh, drawer of, the ref- of a refrigerator as we're standing <laughs> here. Uh, it's supposed to get up to 60 today. We'll see if it does. But he wanted a fast start. I'm talking about Ryan Day did. He got it. He wanted his defense to play over the top in that first half especially. He got it. Uh, 
they took Michigan State's best shot, which isn't very, which yeah. isn't on a scale of one to ten, is about a four, yeah. and uh, handled it. And uh, so they won that game, especially the first half the way you expected them to. I think it's a good harbinger headed forward. Uh, Rewatching the game, I thought third down, especially in the first half, was really great for Ohio State. They were five and six on third down in the first half, and pretty much four of those six plays were Marvin Harrison Jr. And you know, Michigan State, just like everyone else this year, tried to double team Marvin Harrison Jr. But I thought it was really great by Comicord and Marvin to basically have this chemistry where there would be times where Marvin would just kind of sit down on the route and not even go into the double coverage and kind of turn back in just for Comicord to fit the ball in before he even had to face. Throw it, throw it where they ain't. Throw yeah. it where they ain't, I right. think, is what Yogi Berra would say. Yeah, finding that little window there between the two defensive backs or sometimes before both of them. And I thought that was especially effective. And, you know, Marvin talked about it after the game, like, yeah, these guys have played since high school together, but there's a difference between playing together in high school and playing together in college. And I think that you're starting to see that chemistry and rapport taking off at the college level. It just takes a little bit of time. And I think that now it's really starting to click. You want to see a young man dominate a game, go, go click on some of the St. Joe's prep uh, days when Marvin Harrison Jr. was there and just boom. Or just watch him play against Penn State. Yeah, he's done that the last Penn couple of years. Yeah. Or even last, you know, yeah. Saturday night here. Yeah, with that touchdown. I think it was right here, actually, to Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. in yeah. the end zone. Well, yeah, right. yeah, right about here. Yeah. Uh, that was a great ball. What I want to talk about, though, is the throw to Cade Stover because I thought that was my favorite play on the offensive side the entire game because Marvin Harrison Jr. was getting double teamed, but that safety was really trying to split the baby there between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover, and whoever Kyle McCord threw to, he was going to try to be there for it um, because they were in pretty close proximity. Kyle looks at Marvin, looks at Marvin, looks at Marvin, and then automatically puts his eyes right on Kate and throws the back shoulder so the safety couldn't get there in time while he was trying to double team Marvin Harrison Jr. It was a perfect throw. Uh, it was one of the most mature throws I've seen Kyle McCord make all year um, because that's not a throw that he with confidence would have planted and, and driven on uh, early in the year and I think it shows a lot that he did it. Um, Deja I, vu of that throw he had to Emeka Ibuka at the one yard line at Notre Dame on that yeah. throw, third and long, third and 19. I could not be more impressed with the way that Kyle McCord played and I'm, I'm really glad to be honest. Um, Sometimes after performances like that, guys who struggle but then play well, I, I'll go on Twitter and just type their name in and see what people are saying about them. I'm really glad that Ohio State fans and, and others around the country kind of realized, okay, maybe Kyle McCord's starting to turn a corner because that's, that's certainly what it looked like on Saturday night. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do against Minnesota yeah. after that performance on Saturday yeah. and, night. And what do you expect? I mean, you know, remember I asked uh, Ryan about this earlier in the week about a quarterback making these kind of progressions, of, especially a first-year starting quarterback. Well. Uh, meaning going up and down kind of like a stock price, but still kind of like moving up. And boy, Saturday night was just was just a straight line up. I mean, a diagonal line up. There was very little to ask of uh, of Kyle McCord. I think that he could have done better in that game. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah. Uh, and then the toughness factor, like that one little, like we talked about that little desperation, little shovel flip to Kate Stover when Kyle got popped there early in the game, got up limping, but, but stayed in there and kept and kept flinging it. I mean, you know, he took a big step forward, I think. Uh, yeah, consider the opposition. I absolutely do. Uh, but he took a step forward in that game. I mean, you know, we've been praising J.J. McCarthy and all these other quarterbacks around the country for great games they've had against inferior opponents. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought Kyle McCord, Kyle McCord looked as good as he should look against that kind of opponent, I guess is the point. You made that point on Saturday night. He was putting balls on the money that that's a big 
big thing, no matter who you're playing. I mean, he's putting balls on the money, and uh, that that transcends as you head forward. Some of those throws would have been completed against the '85 Bears. Correct. Like those were when you throw a perfect pass. It doesn't matter who you're playing. That's a perfect pass. As long as you and the other guy are on the same wavelength, too. The only throw that I think he truly missed was the other one to Marvin Harrison Jr., the, the, the attempted fourth touchdown where they end up kicking a field goal, yeah, where he, he just put a little short, but that's okay. He fell back on that one. And just kind yeah. Of, yeah. So what did you think of Kyle's performance after watching a second time, Andy? Definitely his best performance of the year. I mean, you could argue the Notre Dame game was just his most clutch performance, but I felt like this was the most complete performance. And, yeah, I think we've seen all these throws before. As Tim mentioned, I agree that that one definitely felt like the Emeka Abuka throw at the end of that game in Notre Dame. But this was the first time we've seen all these throws together consecutively in one package. Yeah. And I thought that was the most important thing because he struggled recently with turnovers, zero turnovers. There were zero sacks in this game. I felt like he had pretty good protection, but he also did a good job getting the ball out on time. Yeah. I felt like his awareness is heightened. You know, mentioned the, the shovel pass play. I felt like he had a good head on a swivel there to make that happen. You know, maybe earlier in the season, he takes a sack in that play or fumbles even. So I thought that was an improvement there. And yeah, I mean, really aside from the one miss where, you know, not even just the missed throw there, but he probably had Marvin wide open the previous play right before that yeah. for that fourth touchdown potential. Yeah, remember we were yelling. Yeah, and he went to a Mecca over the we middle. We weren't of the yelling, we were, we were discussing. Pointing out that from yeah. our view, way up way. Yeah, uh, and that's we, where we a Mecca came off the field slowly. You right, know? Yeah. yeah, but of course that, that, that just can happen. Um, but it, it was just, I thought a great performance by him to be able to you know, stick with it. He's, he's been so calm and collected throughout this whole time. It, it can't be easy being the Ohio State quarterback. We talked about it all offseason, the pressure that comes with being the guy under yeah. center here yeah. and or in shotgun most of the time here. Um, but I think he's just handled it really well. And even after the game, he said, you know, we're peaking at the right time, which I think is so important because in any sport, but especially football, the weather gets cold. You know, the games matter more, and you want to be playing your very best, and you want to be as healthy as possible. And I think Kyle McCord's ankle, he seems a little bit better on that. I felt like he, he looked the best he has on his ankle so far yeah. since the injury. And I think that he's playing his best ball right now, which is all you can ask for in November. Hey, pressure, man. Just look around this place. Now imagine there's a person in every damn seat, yeah, I know. and they're living and dying on what you do. I yeah. mean, this it still kind of gives you chills a little bit to think about playing in this kind of an arena. And they've only got one more game here on, uh, you know, this this in this 2023 season, they're number one team in the country. It just, it's kind of cool. Uh, Tim, before we start to move on here, because we're not, be honest, like we're, we don't need to really talk about like exactly. You, have you not been honest? Yeah. To this point? No, I'm going to be completely honest here. We don't really need to talk about Ohio State, Michigan State here because it happened. It was a great half of football. Ohio and State we, ran the clock out. Like we're not going to spend a ton of time on that. But because Lincoln Kino's getting the play some. I'm I'm getting ready to throw it to you oh, there, big guy. Okay, okay. Give me a second here, Tim. If there was any young guys who stood out to you from Saturday night on the rewatch, did you have any young guys who stood out with you? Well, wink, here's wink, the thing. Nudge, nudge. Thurman is about this tall, so he always stands out. So he got to play significantly for really for the first time and catch passes. Yep. Uh, Boy, if they could just bring that along. You know, I've been talking about that since the first time I saw him in March, right? When we oh, saw yeah. spring football. Yeah, you haven't shut up about it. No. I just, <laughs> I just, you can just see some guys, There's unless things screw up between now and then, injury or whatever, this guy's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, you can I see agree. it coming, man. Uh, if you can't, then you're watching the wrong sport. You know, uh, hey, I was and, watching another game, Tim. Jelani looks like a young 
uh, Texas player, Jatavian yeah. Sanders, yeah. the tight end. Yeah. Jelani reminds me of him. He Go watch of that. that. Darnell Sanders, or where that guy's name was from, Florida, from Georgia, too. Oh, maybe Washington. Not, Washington, Darnell Washington. Maybe yeah. not quite as stocky, but he can get there. Yeah. Uh, but the, the key in this game was Lincoln Keenholz not only getting to go in and not with a mop in his hand, you know, but ready to throw the football. That, yeah. was, that was vital for this team to get him some uh, uh, credible reps, in my opinion, throwing the football against another, against an opponent because he hasn't played all year. The freshman from uh, Pierre. There you go. South Dakota, Pierre, South Dakota is the way it's spelled. I think it's still pronounced Pierre. Nope. Sausage and mushrooms, Pierre. Uh, that's from a commercial, a pizza commercial. Uh, I can't believe y'all didn't even catch that. Nope. But uh, this guy looks up, but he was their backup quarterback on Saturday yep. night. He might be their backup quarterback the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see how, because uh, Devin Brown looked like he regressed, mm -hmm. not progressed from the last time we saw him warming up against Rutgers. So that'll be interesting to watch, but it was vital to get this guy some live reps. You know, and I'm sure we'll be, we didn't, nobody asked about it. I got, I got the first question on Saturday night, and I wasn't going to ask about that of Ryan Day, but it'd be interesting uh, this week to ask him about Lincoln Keynotes and his progress, because I thought he looked the part. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I thought so. Andy, uh, Lincoln Keynotes, and then maybe a couple young guys who stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, small sample size, like 12 snaps, threw three passes, completed That's two 12 of them. snaps, yeah. He uh, could have had a touchdown there. That throw was great. To Jaden Bowden. Well, I think it was. he could have put it a little bit more to the outside. Yeah. For a freshman, I thought the throw was good. Like it was, it was clearly crisp. got the arm talent. Uh, it's been fun watching yeah. before the games. Just him, kind of just uncork the deep ball, and he always runs a route for uh, common core. will throw him a pass. Yeah, that's <laughs> right a tradition. At the end of the warmups, yeah. Tradition around here. And uh, I think it's fun to watch him do that. He's clearly, you know, he's a three port, uh, three sports star coming out of high school. Enrolled late here, like in June, he came in, so he wasn't here in January. So his development has definitely been fun to watch, just from that time to now. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Devin Brown situation is really interesting because, yes, he was barely doing anything in warm-ups. He was suited up, so I think he was technically available. That's why he wasn't listed on that injury report. And I'm curious, and we'll have to ask Ryan Day, and we'll see what he says, but it felt like maybe he suited up last week because Tristan Jebbia didn't seem to be too available. He wasn't really warming up in the, yeah. uh, in the Rutgers game. So maybe that was kind of a break glass in case of emergency. We need a third quarterback available. And maybe Lincoln was kind of like the backup for that game too. Yeah. And I think tonight, you know, in a game where you have it in hand by the fourth quarter, you're playing a second quarterback, Lincoln was that guy. And Tristan seemed healthier. He was warming up this time. So, oh yeah, but I'm so, just so saying, maybe, you know, so maybe it wasn't regression. Maybe it was just that right. they actually had a third quarterback healthy this time. Right, but the point was those other two guys are banged up in one form or fashion, you know, and, right. and why throw them out there? Like you said, why break the yeah. glass if you don't have to? But it was key, because that could still be the case in two weeks. I mean. You got to, you know, and you know the starting quarterback, the left ankle, everybody knows all about the Cal McCord situation. So, you know, uh, boy, you just, uh, they, I'm sure they're knocking on wood. They've moved on, you know, and it was really funny how they let uh, Cal McCord get them out of the mud hole down here mm -hmm. on that drive. Yeah. And then they put Lincoln in to drive the car. Yeah, Stud he, well. Student driver. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to put a true freshman quarterback his first action. I know. Uh, you I know. know. That was yeah, the point and I that was making. yeah. I thought it was really smart because yeah. we everybody in the stadium who was still here wanted to see him. Yeah, we've all heard about him. We've and all talked about him. And you're also wondering why is Kyle McCord still in the game at that yeah. point? You know, it's like you know, but, not wondering, but you knew why. Yeah. But once you get down to what was it, the three yard line or something, you're not just going to throw. No. Like, and I thought it was really smart because you don't want to 
have a mistake and then the confidence gets rattled. So yeah. uh, kudos to the coaching staff on that. Uh, were there any other young guys that, that you guys thought? Because I have yeah. one. I thought Calvin I, Simpson Hunt. From? <clears throat> Waxahachie, Texas. There you go. Well, I th they filmed Tender Mercies, by the way, a movie, a good movie. There you go. Robert Duvall. Okay. I thought uh, Hero Canoe continues yes. to take big steps forward. Um, do not be surprised if on November 25th you see Hero Canoe on the field on rundowns. Like he's Jaden McKenzie. He's also. playing well. Hero Canoe's starting to play well. Uh, any any others? For me, Matthews continued to be impressive. He yep. had a great tackle on special teams. Until Ohio State honored him as their special teams co-player of the game. Uh, he also had a nice pass breakup, which is when he seemed to jam his finger, and that's why Calvin Simpson Hunt came in to have that stop and screen yeah. play um, against Malik Carr, Michigan State's tight end. I thought that, yeah, there was a collection of guys that stood out, not only just young guys, but Jahad Carter played 26 snaps in this game. I think that's noteworthy considering the safety situation at Ohio State right now. Yeah, we don't Con know. Concerned how you went out. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't know the, the future of Lathan Ransom right now, when he'll be able to get back, if he'll be able to get back. I know that's more of the boundary side, and we can see Jahad more at that nickel or free safety, but he can play anywhere. So just having him available is important after he got hurt against Penn State. So I think that is noteworthy. Uh, we saw Kai Stokes again a little bit. So like some, some of that defensive back depth that I think that like we were a little bit unsure of if those guys would even play the rest of this year. I know obviously the circumstances of the game was in hand, but it's still noteworthy that you know if you need those guys, yeah. they're available. And, and Josh Proctor, of course, missed the game because he got that head bump at, at Rutgers head bump. He got sort of knocked out yeah. uh, when he caused that interception that uh, Jordan Hancock took back 93 yards for a touchdown. Uh, those are George, uh, Josh Proctor and Lathan Ransom, two of their better tackling players, much less whether they're in the secondary or not. Uh, but I thought Ohio State, for the most part, handled things because you knew that you were going to get a steady diet of Nate Carter, which they sort of did. Michigan State, Michigan State had, it seemed like, so few plays, it was hard to figure out yeah. really what they were up to. They got their backup quarterback in there because they're trying to save, you know, the, the redshirt year for the one kid. And just, that was, that was a good game for Ohio State to show its dominance because it should have been dominant and it was. I, that's where, like you said, that's enough said about that game. Clearly, Ryan Day kind of hinted he wasn't that impressed with the second team offensive line play. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, but not go Wood, they haven't had to go into that well yeah. this year. The other guy that I wanted to make sure that we just touched on, not really talked about, uh, Malik Hartford, who started the game, played yeah. a lot. Um, Looked okay at times, looked pretty timid at times, but you know what? He's putting a lot of weight on. He's still trying to learn to play with that weight. He's trying to play at a college level. He talked about how there's just bigger guys flying at you in this at this level than there is in high school. And to be with the first team defense that's flying around, uh, you know, putting hats on the ball and, and going uh, pretty hard there, I would imagine that's a pretty tough spot for him to be in. So I'm not going to excuse it because you're at Ohio State. There's no excuses here. But for a true freshman, I didn't think he played terribly. I've got my hand up. Should, should I start doing that? No. Put my hand up when I got something. No, it would uh, always be up. I, I, I watched the replay, you know, like y'all did. And said, I still don't think that was pass interference. No. I mean, if anything, it was offensive shove off. But, uh, you know, the kind of, you're, you're a young guy and you're out there playing and you're feeling pretty good, you know, while you're playing and you get like this bogus call against yeah. you. That's got to bum you out and kind of take away a little bit of your edge, you know. Uh, that's why I felt for him on that. Can, it's almost like in the NFL where they call stuff on a rookie they don't call on a veteran. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Andy, final thoughts from Ohio State, Michigan State? Yeah, I guess just one more thing on the Malik front. I think, like, 
coverage-wise, he'll be fine. You know, he was targeted three times, only gave up two catches for like three total yards. The yeah. DPI, that's going to happen. Uh, those DPI and holding penalties, Davis and Ignosin will tell you first, those are going to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But I don't think that's a, a red alert. Uh, I think more of the tackling stuff will just come over time as he puts more mass on. As you mentioned, Tim, like yeah. Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor, they've been around for a while. They're sure tacklers. And they're there, that's, man. That's hard to replace. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I thought Malik Hartford, all things considered, is, is continuing to improve. And one of the quick, Sonny Styles. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, Sonny I Styles. Mean, we talked about it after the game. Great, great at strong safety at the boundary side. Uh, I think he. Yeah, I asked him, do you like it better? He said, well, in different ways. Like, there, there are things he can bring out. There's physicality we see more. He's less tested in coverage, which I think is good for him because he did struggle a little bit at times covering, um, you know, some of those slot receivers earlier in the season. So I think it's a good spot for him. I do too. And uh, I thought defensively there were a lot of bright spots that kind of, I, I, at least I didn't notice them because I was so focused on the offensive showcase on Saturday. I thought Cody Simon, I'll say it again, thought he was impressive. I think it's really handy for a team like this to have essentially a second middle linebacker you can pull upon um, that Jim Knowles is super confident in to basically run this defense. Yeah. And uh, I thought that Denzel Burke being back was noteworthy as well for this defense, uh, just considering that he, in the beginning of the season, was probably the most improved player. Absolutely. And back back to Sonny real quick. The thing that the things that impressed me about Sonny so far is when they've asked him to do something a little bit different, you know, a little ex exotic on a, whatever he gets there. Yep. I mean, he he gets in, he gets right into the middle of it, and uh, you know you can't always say that about everybody. So Sonny Styles, man, uh, all the hype that we've been throwing around about him, I mean, it's real, and it's only going to get better. It looks. There was it a game. Like there was a game before Ohio State. Uh, there was a game before Ohio State, Michigan State, that we probably should just touch on a little bit. Uh, that has huge ramifications for this program as well as the Big Ten in general. Uh, Michigan 24, Penn State 15. I guess we could say the Monday after Michigan 24, Penn State 15. Uh, Michigan, 30 straight run plays, got that pass interference in the middle of all of that. So they did attempt to pass, but it was negated, um, and they still got a first down out of it. Um, neither team moved the ball particularly well. Michigan only had 116 total yards in the second half, so they didn't completely just bully Penn State, but they did enough to earn a win on the road. Penn State had a insanely stupid fourth down try from like the 30 yard line from like the 30 yard line in which excuse me I fell asleep they gave Michigan the ball at the 30 yard line and allowed them to just run into the end zone for a touchdown to make it 24 to 9 um, the Penn State offense is still completely horrendous Tim other than that how was the rest of the play <laughs> but yeah. like what'd you think because we're gonna have to talk about this a lot here in the next couple weeks. well here's the thing that happened on Saturday Ohio State versus Michigan, barring upsets, an upset by Maryland this week over Michigan or Minnesota, which got drilled by Purdue. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota is coming to Ohio Stadium extremely banged up. I mean, yeah. they've got, like I said on TV last night, they got linebackers you kind of even, haven't even heard of. They're getting pressed into action, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is Michigan beating Penn State has taken that fifth rung tiebreaker out of the. <laughs> yeah out of the equation for the Big Ten East uh, uh, representative to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, speaking of snoozers, where they'll play probably, what, Iowa? Yep. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I digressed again. Uh, Penn State fires its offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich, who was here mm -hmm. uh, at one point several years ago, uh, thinking that's 
that was the problem. We'll see if it was. They had receivers not open. We were talking about that before we started this. We weren't impressed with their receivers when they were here from the standpoint of big time threats. Although their one last touchdown was, they hit some big passes on that. You yeah. know? But Drew Aller, um, uh, bless his heart, I don't think that was a miss by Ohio State in the recruiting realm. No. Like a lot of people were portraying it before they played mm -hmm. here a few weeks ago. Uh, but going for two after that first touchdown and then going for two after their second touchdown, I am just mind boggled. If whatever could be boggled, I am that about the thinking there and chasing points when you don't have to chase points, especially the last one where you kick the extra point and you're within a score in a two point conversion of Michigan. It just blows my mind. You just see these weird decisions by Penn State in the end of games or in crucial situations to just blow your mind like, what the hell is going that's, on? That's big, James. The bottom line is, it's Ohio State, Michigan now. Ohio State, uh, Michigan won without his head coach. It's a uh, uh, interim head coach cried in the postgame uh, interview like there's been this great. Uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh is dead. There's been this, yeah, but there's been this great injustice. Uh, put we, on well, Michigan. We don't need to get into all of that. No, but there hasn't been a great injustice. I know. We don't need to get into all of that. Why though. not? Everybody else is talking about it. Because we'd be here for three hours if we talked about the injustice. But this idea that Michigan is a victim is starting to really nauseate me. Well, you know, the game will be the game. The outcome of the game will be the game. If there's vengeance involved, whatever, who knows? Who cares? It's all based on fallacy, most of it, it seems. But that Michigan is a victim here just nauseates you. That, that, that that's the card that's being played. So I think uh, November 25th in, in the big house is going to be a very interesting day in Big Ten history. What'd you see from Michigan, Andy, that makes you yeah. say, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I don't think I learned anything new about Penn State. <laughs> I think uh, they, they, they are who we saw in this stadium. Um, Michigan, you let them though, off the hook. Yeah, uh, Denny Green. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think that Michigan, though, I thought it was impressive the way they adjusted that game. There was a lot of pressure from Penn State's defensive line early in that game. Uh, Abdul, Abdul Carter, Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson were all pretty prevalent in the early part of that game. Uh, Sharon Moore, interim head coach of Michigan, give him, some, give him some credit, you know, adjusted there. Yes. Yeah. You know, manages that offensive line. He trusted his guys up front, put in some heavy packages. They just started running the football down Penn State's throat, and from that point forward, it was a different game. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a great adjustment from an interim head coach. Um, and, you know, I think that the thing that worries me the most from the Ohio State perspective for the game on November 25th is can Ohio State handle this Michigan rushing attack, which previously was not explosive this season, but we saw for really the first time against a, you know, quality opponent, Blake Corum kind of exploded. On Saturday, yeah. yeah, he looked like the guy who was a Heisman Trophy candidate last year, and I thought that that was definitely noteworthy. Uh, Donovan Edwards had a couple good runs as well, and then maybe most importantly, J.J. McCarthy, although he only threw eight passes, I believe, in the game, he was dangerous with his legs. Which, if yeah. you're an Ohio State fan, you, you need to be a little bit worried about. He scored in this end zone last year in the game, and also, you know, Ohio State had a hard time against Rutgers tracking down Gavin Wimsatt at times. Um, you know, just we've seen even last year, there were times in which, whether it was Talia Tonga Viola or other quarterbacks, they had a hard time getting him down. So I think that if you're looking at this Michigan team, you're trying to figure out, well, what's the biggest threat? 
It's that rushing attack. Yeah. And maybe JJ McCarthy. I want to say something though. You know, when we were standing here several weeks ago and rehashing the Penn State game, Ohio State's win over Penn State that night after the, the afternoon after the game when we were standing here and then the next Monday. That was a huge win by Ohio State. Mm -hmm. That was a huge win by Michigan yep. on Saturday at Penn State. Yep. I mean, I'm not discounting I'm you know, the tears were probably tears of relief more for Sharon Moore than anything else, but you know, they just kind of left you, you know, me left me hollow. But the bottom line is what what we saw from that game and what what is going to be imperative, this is going to sound like, you know, basic football one-on-one, -on -one, but what fell what fell off for Ohio State last year when they had to lead at halftime on Michigan and blew it. When they score, you got to go score. I mean, there's, you know, and that's what that's what happened. The, the, the Ohio State offense really uh, fell off the beam in the second half of that game and didn't keep up its end of the end of the bargain. And that's what's got to be different about this game. Uh, we'll get into that next week, I'm sure. But that's what Michigan just knew it was the bully on the block on Saturday and took care of business. I will say that I was impressed with the way Penn State defended Michigan uh, in the back end. Um, and I think that gives me a little bit of confidence in the way that Ohio State's going to be able to defend. Um, you know, Kobe King and Kalen King uh, did a pretty good job. Roman Wilson had, had didn't get anything going. I know that they didn't throw the ball in the second half, but when they were trying they threw to it eight times, man. When, <laughs> when they were trying to throw the ball is all I'm saying. The yeah. pass rush got to him, okay. and I don't think that Michigan's going to just be able to line up and run it 40 times on Ohio State. I, so I agree. I think Jim Knowles is going to have b better plans than Manny Diaz did because Manny Diaz runs Ask Madden Blitz. Ask Madden, engage eight, ask Madden, blitz. And so I think Jim Knowles is a little smarter than that, especially against an opponent that he knows he has to prepare 365 days a year for. So uh, I'm interested to see if, if the wide receivers, if Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson and, and Tyler Morris or whoever it is in that Michigan receiving core is going to be able to get open because I think Jordan Hancock is better than Kobe King. I think Denzel Burke is better than Kalen King. And I think the safety play at Ohio State is a little bit better than what Penn State has. So that's going to be one of the battles that I'm going to be watching. And I would have loved to have seen Michigan try to pass it a little bit more, but they didn't need to. And there's something to be said about doing what you need to do and not what you want to do. And I'm sure they wanted to get J.J. McCarthy involved in the passing game. They didn't need to. What so I, I was impressed with Michigan, but I also see, I see a couple ways that I think Ohio State might be able to get an advantage on the Wolverines. And then it's just going to come down to can you stop the run to be able to get yourself into those advantages and make J.J. McCarthy beat you with his arm. Because last year, he didn't even really beat him with his arm. He just happened to find wide open receivers that Ohio Correct. State just let roam free. Correct. And he threw a six yard hitch route that turned into a touchdown because a former, a former corner wasn't interested in tackling that game. So, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it's funny when I played Madden against my two sons uh, occasionally, my only stipulation was I got to be the Colts and I had either ran Edger and James or threw the ball with Peyton Manning and just wiped, wiped the floor with those two Harris. Huh? To Marvin Harrison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I only ran like eight different plays. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I think that, look, it, the game on November 25th is going to come down to situational football. And I think the red zone is a big area that it's always an emphasis, but it's going to be probably deciding the game in Ann Arbor. And I think that Michigan's red zone defense, they haven't had to play a lot of it because they don't let people into the red zone. But Penn State did get there, and Michigan locked down for the most part. And this Ohio State team, aside from the last two weeks, has really struggled in the red zone this year. Now, can they carry over this momentum they've built against Rutgers and now Michigan State in the red zone, scoring touchdowns instead of field goals into Minnesota game, into the Michigan game? That's the question, because if they're kicking field goals 
it's going to be a hard time beating that Michigan team because they're finishing drives. Mm -hmm. They finish out drives most of the time with touchdowns, a lot of times because of that rushing attack, that offensive line. And I think that Ohio State, as Tim said, has to go toe-to-toe with Michigan. When they score, you got to match that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the red zone and all those little things, like special teams, I mean, there were even a few more mistakes on special teams that we didn't talk about, but (laughs) against Michigan State. So all those tiny things in situational football is going to be so key Mm -hmm. at Michigan. And so wrapping up, Ohio State plays Minnesota this week. (laughs) (laughs) So about that. Ohio State, 1-9 against the spread in its last 10 games the week before the Michigan game. Ryan Day, 1-2 against the spread in in games before the Michigan game. That's not – I don't want to talk gambling on this show, but, like, it does kind of paint the picture of yes. the week before the Michigan game is the week before the Michigan game and nothing more. Uh, you can – you know, if you've got, like, a Penn State or a good opponent the week before, like in 2015 they had Michigan State in here the yeah. week before the Michigan game, and they lost. But that was a good Michigan State team. You're not talking about that with this Minnesota team. Kyle McCord starting to hit his stride. And Minnesota just gave up 49 to Purdue. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is Marvin Harrison Jr. And Minnesota just gave up 49 to Purdue. Travion Henderson is a good running back. And Minnesota just gave up 49 to Purdue. So we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about Minnesota, but we can't just gloss over it entirely. because we've got a whole week to talk about them. Yeah, we've got all week. So now we're in here for the Monday after. It's starting to get a little sunshine. The sun is coming. starting up. to sweat a little bit because I dressed for the cold. Now it's starting to get a little warmer. Me too. Uh, this is the Monday after Ohio State 38, Michigan State 3. Uh, not a lot to talk about, but enough to talk about to come uh, provide the coverage where we do at lettermonroe.com for all year round. You can get that coverage for $1 for your first month, then we'll talk about pricing after that. And by then, you won't even care about the pricing because you'll love the coverage from the 40-year bet, Tim May, from Andy Backstrom, from me, Spencer Holbrook, Alex Lightman, Matt Parker over on the recruiting side doing a great job. Matt's photos on Saturday night were incredible. Good job, Matt. Yeah, no kidding. Go check those out at LeadmanRoad.com. Underrated young man, Matt Parker. Absolutely. A, a strapping gentleman. How come we didn't talk about special teams? How come we didn't talk about that punt thing? That, well, we're going to find about that. Because nobody asked about that either because it was a 38-3 to win. We got all week to talk about it, Tim. I know, but, man, a lot. Yeah. The Monday after, <laughs> Ohio State 38, Michigan State 3 is in the books. Tim May, again, the 40-year vet. Andy Baxter from me, Spencer Holbrook. We'll see you guys over at LeadmanRoad.com where we cover the Buckeyes. All year round in the build-up to Ohio State-Michigan November 25th, Ohio State-Minnesota November 18th. We'll see you guys in the horseshoe for that one, and we'll see you guys in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday for Ryan Day Press Conference. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.